Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Get into it. Radio show starts now. The impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, he's he's super bad at his job. Super bad at his job. I mean, you've got the entire administration talking about how Joe Biden will shut down the border. If you just give him the authority, why won't you let Biden be Biden? He's done all he's ca- he possibly can. He even said so. With executive authority, where is there more you could do? What power? What power does he not have? What exactly is he discussing here when he says, give me the power? Why is it that the Democrats are somehow all of a sudden amazed that there's an issue at the border? Why? Because it's an election. Because they've had the crap kicked out of them for three years. Because they have absolutely nothing to bring to the table on the subject and no results. And one of the people clearly responsible for the lack of results is the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you, good to be a part of your day. The phone number, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Find everything at TonyKatz.com and the live stream happening, whether you're on X, whether you're on Facebook, although Facebook, you know, it sucks. Uh, Tony Katz Radio, uh, you can like it. I don't, I don't mind. Uh, you can also find it on Rumble. And uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn as well, this is the kind of stuff they talk about regarding the border. This is Congressman Dan Goldman, the same Dan Goldman who told you that the, the laptop of Hunter Biden was probably manipulated even though everything's been authenticated by everyone. He, as, as late as just a month ago, was telling you how things could be manipulated, and here he is now. Well, first of all, that's not how the law has ever been interpreted. And second of all, there is no room to detain everyone who comes over. The DHS would need significantly more funding in order to be able to even do that. And Democrats under President Biden uh, and over the last two Congresses have requested uh, from Republicans bipartisan agreement to add additional funding for the department. And the Republicans have rejected it. So they are creating a scenario here that is impossible to meet, that does not accurately reflect the law, and is being done purely for Donald Trump's political interests, because Donald Trump has been open, and many Republicans have said this, that he wants to run on the border in this election, and therefore he does not want the Republicans to solve the problems at the border through bipartisan legislation. Uh, 
to be clear, everyone's going to run on the border, and that's what Joe Biden's trying to do right now, that Republicans are intransigent. It was the House that brought you legislation over 200 days ago, and the Senate has not moved on it. But let's go back to Dan Goldman's nonsense first statement. It's not possible to house everybody at the border. It is if you don't let them cross. See how easy that was? How am I not in charge of policy? You, get on the phone. Get me in charge of policy. You, get me a cheese sandwich. And the good cheese. None of that crap. I don't even know. I, I let people put in their own. I, I don't even know what good cheese would be. Americans, fine. Mustard or mayo, producer Jason. Uh, that would be mustard. That would be mustard. Uh, my, my East Coast is, is shining through right there. By the way, only a cheese sandwich? I know. And make it grilled. Don't use that panini machine, so help me God. What about the idea of just not letting people into the country? Now, is that a conversation of isolationism? No. What about remain in Mexico? What about the idea of figuring out somebody's status before entree into the nation? Where we simply say, well, you're in the country. We haven't figured it out yet, but here's a piece of paper. We'll see you in a court in five years. I'm sorry, did you say five years? Four or five years, yeah, you know, if we get to it. We're kind of busy, um, and, and, uh, and this is not our top priority. Well, you know, I saw some guys in the line behind me, and they were, they were some bad dudes. Oh, yeah? Huh. Yeah, so the paper says uh, four to five years, and uh, you be sure to check in. And that's, and that's what they do. That's what we do as a nation. What about not? What about remain in Mexico? The, the mythology of the statement from Dan Goldman goes along with his belief that somehow the laptop is still manipulated. And everything being about Trump, if the, if the Republicans had put forth something, as they did, I think it was House Bill 2, 264 days ago, I think it was. Uh, Representative Byron Donalds was talking about it. Um, that's just more proof that has nothing to do with Trump. This is just the talking point. Make it the talking point. Republicans bad, want problem at the border because Trump, and it, and it fits your, your fantasy, but doesn't fit reality. It's very important that we are people who are always engaged in the concept of reality. This is the chairman of the committee, Mark Green, that is marking up the bill regarding, or, or the, the, the um, call it resolution, regarding impeachment. Listen. Today is a grave day. We have not approached this day or this process lightly. Secretary Mayorkas' actions have forced our hand. We cannot allow this border crisis to continue. We cannot allow fentanyl to flood across our border, our criminals to waltz in undeterred. And we cannot allow a cabinet secretary with no regard for the separation of powers or the rule of law to remain in office. <clears throat> that is why today we present this committee with the articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. So it's an interesting question, the one that should be asked. I actually asked it of Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. I have that interview coming up for you. Is it logical to hold the secretary responsible for policy implemented by the president? If the president says do this and you're following the orders of, of the president, how are you held responsible? Well, there, there's a, a question regarding whether or not you would consider those orders, policies, et cetera, to be lawful. I guess one could argue that you're engaging in something that is detrimental to the United States, therefore fits the concept of high crime misdemeanor, and therefore is impeachable, even if you're following the order of the president. Certainly uh, possible.
Or is it that regardless of the president, there is through, oh, I don't know, a, a whisper, a nudge, a wink, wink, a say no more, um, the unwillingness to actually implement policy. Now, what's weird is when you talk to Border Patrol people, uh, I, I spoke with Chief Clem about this, a former uh, border sector, Yuma border sector chief. Uh, you see a lot of Mayorkas at the border and talking to members of Border Patrol. You do see that level of activity. But certainly, I, I would argue that when Mayorkas comes to D.C. and says, everything's fine, what what are you people talking about? Dear Lord. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Well... That's not the case. That's lying. And lying is certainly a reason to have somebody removed. Now, uh, Congressman Banks got even more uh, aggressive than that. And I'll, I'll let him share his words coming up in, in just a little bit. Is this a fool's errand for the Republican Party? And the answer is no, absolutely not. Oh, holy hell no. No, it's not. To hold Mayorkas accountable for the failures at the border is to hold the Biden administration accountable for the failures at the border. This is good, and this fully explains, in addition to the idea that there's an election ahead of us, why it is the Democrats are now so full force on the conversation of the border, a conversation that they have ignored for three years. Why you get things like this from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. So on the first day of his administration, the president took this very seriously. And when it came to immigration, when it came to uh, border security, he put forth a comprehensive piece of legislation. That was almost three years ago. If Congress, House Republicans didn't get in the way and they actually took action, we probably would be in a different place today. Now what we're seeing in Congress is in the Senate, Republicans and Democrats together are working towards a bipartisan deal, which is, by the way, what Americans want to see. Seventy-five percent of Americans want us to take action on immigration a broken system and immigration you mean now now 75 percent of americans want you to take action what about two months ago five months ago eight months ago a year ago a year and a half ago two years ago how how i could go back at least three years three years ago why all of a sudden now because it's an election and all of a sudden now because mayorkas is in the hot seat that he is mayorkas is in the hot seat and that's valuable. But let us go back to now where they're now coming to. Joe Biden saying, give me the power. I'm begging for the power. Why won't they pass this bipartisan legislation? Well, Joe Biden said that if he had this power, he would close the border. He would shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Well, a a keen, eagle-eyed White House reporter asked a question of Corinne Jean-Pierre, and I think it is the right question. It's the only question that those on the political left who have been screaming for open borders, like Representative Ocasio-Cortez and those who are members of the squad, um, I think it's the only question that them and their acolytes could possibly ask. Okay, Michael. Um, Back in the winter of 2018 and the spring of 2019, President Trump vowed to shut down the border with Mexico. 
uh, using almost the identical language that the president used on Friday. Uh, many, many, if not most, if not practically all Democrats called that xenophobic and even racist. Why uh, shouldn't people make the same conclusion about this president's threat to shut down the entire border with Mexico? So we believe the new enforcement tools uh, that currently don't exist, that will be, uh, we believe that will be part of this bipartisan agreement, uh, will be fair. We believe it'll be, yes, it'll be tough, but it will be fair. But he didn't say he- so when, when Donald Trump does it, racism. But when you do it, see, see, it'll be fair because we're just nicer, better people. Oh, yeah, we're going to keep all those brown people from coming to the country, but it'll be fair. Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't say anything. She's saying absolutely nothing. But wait till she does say something. Because this reporter's like, um, excuse me, that's, um, that's nuts. And she then gives up the entire game. Listen. He didn't say, I would, on, on day one, I will use enhanced enforcement to in, improve the processing of people at the border. He said, I will shut the border down, which, which suggests a, a total rejection of all people attempting to cross the border without, without a visa or without, without proper authorization, which, you know, stands in contravention to decades of international and U.S. law um, that, that governs the, the movement of people around the globe and the, and yeah. the refugees and asylum situ- system. Yeah, no, so I un- isn't that the same thing that Trump did? No, I understand your question. What I'm saying to you, the new enforcement tools, right, that we believe that do not currently exist, that will be part of this bipartisan agreement, there's, there, are different, there are different definitions, right, of what that looks like, of what actually uh, shutting down the border looks like, right? So First things first, those tools do exist right now. That's a lie from Corinne Jean-Pierre. Number two, there are different ways to shut down a border. There are different definitions to shutting down a border. Holy crap, these people have absolutely no plan of shutting down the border at all. It's a lie. It's a lie when she says they don't have the tools. Of course they do. It's a lie when he says he's going to shut down the border. No, he won't. This is a lie. This is all a fraud. She just let you know. She told you. It can't be more clear. She could not, if she was holding a sign, she could not be more clear. There is no plan from the administration at any moment to shut down the border, to close it down, to make it safe for Americans, to make it safe for those who are in the country legally. There is zero plan except to blame Trump and try and win an election. That's all it is. And when you see it so plainly, so clearly, so obviously, you should say, wow, that's plain, clear, and obvious. Because it is. There is no plan from the Biden team at all to do anything about the border. This is about elections, and this is about the impeachment of Mayorkas, which, based on what you just heard from Corinne Jean-Pierre, this should have happened months ago. Will he get removed? I don't see it. But a boy can hope, can he? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. 
still nothing from Joe Biden regarding Iran. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how it's possible. I have no idea how it can be that the president has zero response. How is it possible that there has been no military response to the killing of three U.S. soldiers, the wounding of 40. How is it possible? And you also hear that families, the family members of of those three that were killed have not yet heard from the president. Now, that's not usually where I live and breathe uh, in, in, in the idea that he, he didn't reach out. You know, it's, it, that's... I don't know. It's I, I'm focused on, on on this response issue here. Um, I don't know what the rules are about the president contacting every single family that has lost a, a loved one in 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 military conflict. I'm I'm saying that I I don't know. I don't want to get. I don't want to let him off the hook. I'm saying that I just need a, a something a, a comparative piece. That, that I would need to work with in order for this to make sense. Um, but what I can discuss with, with clarity is that Iran murders three Americans and we do nothing. That's got to make Iran feel good. And we should also be clear that this idea that somehow there's nothing to be done because that would mean we're getting into another war and you're going to bring us forever wars and we can't have that. Sorry, not your guy. That is a that is a bad position and a valueless one. And I'm willing to debate that anywhere at any time. The question of whether or not, we, we discussed this yesterday, the question of whether or not we should have troops in an area. Well, that's a good question. That's a policy conversation. I'm down with that. We can then make a decision on that. But that is a separate conversation for what happens when a terrorist regime like Iran murders three of your soldiers. And if you tell me, well, you can't respond because that's, well, that, that's an escalation and that's going to be a forever war. Sorry, that's weak. That is weakness. It's weakness personified. It is not a virtue. It is not a value. It is a mistake and it will be a more deadly one. Now, that's a conversation that's coming from uh, the political right, my people, my people, uh, that, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's a mistake. The conversation comes from the political left. They want to talk about not engaging in escalation and being proportional. Uh, Andrew McCarthy has a very nice piece about this. The whole idea of proportionality is, well, you murdered three of ours, so we get to murder three of yours. That's not proportionality. Proportionality. You know, you can't go overboard. No, no, no. How do we ensure that this doesn't happen again? And if it takes doing X, making sure you do just X and not going and not exceeding that. So maybe in order to ensure that Iran doesn't kill three Americans, we have to kill 32,000 members of either the uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps or, or name another group. They have to go, and so does everybody in their family, and so do their freaking dry cleaners. They all got to go. Then you'd kill 32,000 of them because that's, that's the proportion you needed. That's the, what you needed to do to make sure it stops. I'm in the business of making sure it stops. Now, if you had strength, which Joe Biden doesn't have, you'd be in the business of making sure it doesn't start, 
which is, of course, the business America should be in. And in order to have a better chance at that business, you have to make sure it stops, which means a response that is forceful and reminds people that don't remember by noise a don't. That's not a that's not a policy. Missiles might be. I'll debate this with anybody. Congressman Jim Banks joins us next. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. hearings of Alejandro Mayorkas going on. We have, well, Iran at war with us, as we keep discussing, even if we don't want to admit that we're at war with Iran. You don't have to admit it. They're going to keep engaging in attacks. I don't think this is is, is debate. And then, of course, uh, a southern border deal that doesn't seem to be in the offing, if it means, of course, you have to have a deal on Ukraine, because, well, these things shouldn't be tied together. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd District. He is also a candidate for Senate Republican in the state of Indiana. The The impeachment hearings are going on right now. I'm going to start there of Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, the, the one good question that gets asked when when you see this play out is, if he's following the directive of the administration, how does one look to impeach him for not doing his job? Well, Tony, there are many reasons. And the, the Mark Green articles of impeachment that they're debating and marking up in the Homeland Security Committee right now uh, today that we're going to vote on on the House floor, um, hopefully as early as next week, lays out a number of reasons and and examples of where Secretary Mayorkas has defied Congress. He lied under oath. He's aided and abetted a a foreign invasion of our country, and he deserves to be impeached for that. So I I fully support the measure, but I don't want to lose sight of the bigger issue, and that's that the president of the United States of America should be impeached for the exact same reason, 62, uh, Steve, my friend Stephen Miller laid out 62 examples of executive orders that Joe Biden has signed to w- open our border wide open and, uh, and 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 do everything that he can to create the, the biggest humanitarian crisis in American history. We should be impeaching the president uh, at the same time as we impeach Secretary Mayorkas for all of the same reasons, not to mention the, the corruption, the the, the Biden family cartel activities with Hunter Biden and other members of the family making making money from our foreign adversaries off the back and relationship of their dad, the president of the United States. He should the president, Joe Biden, should be impeached because of the border situation alone, just just like we're going to. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Impeach Secretary Mayorkas in the House in the coming weeks. But but allow me to, to just take it a, a step further uh, here regarding Secretary Mayorkas. Are there 
you know, you talk about Mark Green. Mark Green is the chairman of, of the committee. And, and this is what Chairman Green had to say. Today is a grave day. We have not approached this day or this process lightly. Secretary Mayorkas' actions have forced our hand. We cannot allow this border crisis to continue. We cannot allow fentanyl to flood across our border, our criminals to waltz in undeterred. And we cannot allow a cabinet secretary with no regard for the separation of powers or the rule of law to remain in office. That is why today we present this committee with the articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. So what what Congressman Green is laying out there is, is rather strong, uh, discussing not only Mayorkas not doing his job, but violating the oath. Uh, are there specifics that you can dig into uh, about this actual the actual violation as opposed to just a failure to protect the border writ large? Yeah, well, I think that that in and of itself is is an example of him not keeping his oath. Uh, and and uh, upholding the Constitution of the United States, but but take for example, Tony, the over three hundred million dollars that that uh, Secretary Mayorkas has spent that was appropriated for FEMA to use uh, for disasters for the American people. That he's used that money instead to set up shelters in his efforts to aid and abet the foreign invasion of our country for illegals for illegals coming into this country instead of American citizens. That's one big example. But he lied under oath about having uh, control of the border. It's obvious that that uh, he doesn't have operational control of the border. The Mexican drug cartels do, and they're flooding our country and killing uh, uh, thousands of Americans. Fentanyl, the leading cause of death of Americans my age and your age, Tony, because of the wide open border, because of Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden's policies. So fully, fully support impeaching him. He deserves it. But I I want to emphasize this again. The president deserves it even more. This is happening on his watch. There are policies that he signed into law through executive orders, defying the rule of law in this country and creating the the biggest uh, crisis that our country has ever seen with a wide open southern border. Uh, But now all you hear is the Biden administration talking very, very tough uh, about the border. It's Republicans who are intransigent uh, about a border uh, security. And if you would just sign this legislation, well, then the president would have the ability to shut down the border. How have uh, Republicans in Congress responded to this? Well, most of us have responded with uh, indignation and and, uh, uh, quickly coming to our senses that this uh, deal coming out of the Senate that's negotiated by Democrats and they're, you know, I know, I know there are Republicans involved with it, but it's dead on arrival in the House. And Speaker Johnson has made that very, very clear that the, the negotiated deal in the Senate, uh, uh, Tony, would create a situation that's even worse with more illegals coming over our border than what than who are, than what are already coming over. And it's all about aid, aid to Ukraine and um, other matters and matter. It, there's a lot less about that deal that would secure the border. But tough talk from this president, and his administration uh, is uh, is pretty empty. And we all know that anything less than the House passed H.R. 2, which ends uh, catch and release. It finishes construction of the border wall and it goes back to the Trump era. Remain in Mexico policy. Anything short of that will not pass the House of Representatives on Speaker Mike Johnson's watch. Uh, as mo- as all- almost every Republican would vote against it. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. 
it was, of course, just the other day we learned that th- three U.S. service members were killed by Iran. This drone strike, the drone was not recognized as an enemy drone. They thought it was a U.S. or a friendly uh, drone, and they allowed it into the airspace uh, in this base uh, in Jordan. Three service members killed. Uh, there is no response yet from the Biden administration. So a two-parter, I don't mean to throw two parts at you. Uh, how should the Biden administration be reacting? And what is the response to those on the political right uh, who say, well, the problem is, is that we have troops there in the first place. That's the issue. Well, um, uh, let me take the first part of that question. Uh, the The Biden administration's weak response to this already, I mean, a, a weak response of, of no response, uh, just invites these types of activities to happen even more. We we lost three of our heroes, likely a, a Houthi uh, attack uh, by by a drone, um, which, by the way, has we haven't happened have American troops uh, killed by an aircraft in generations, and now it's happening all of a sudden because of the the weak posture that the Biden administration had in negotiating a new Iran deal with with. Uh, 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 when Biden came into office that that Trump killed and Biden tried to go back to that. We know that Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And when you give them money and appease them, they give those resources to, to Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, who are likely responsible for this attack. So there should be hell to pay in an immediate fashion for anyone who kills American troops. And right right now you've seen the opposite. You You continue to see the weak need a response from this administration. Now, what are troops doing in Jordan? Um, what are they doing in that part of the world? I mean, I, I don't know the classified nature of, of the operation there, but those the, the, obviously this is a hot spot in the world and it's becoming hotter by the day because of the weakness and appeasement of Joe Biden, which is whiplash compared to the peace through strength approach of the, of the Trump presidency. Remember, I mean, uh, Putin didn't invade Ukraine on Donald Trump's watch. Uh, Donald Trump took out Soleimani. He killed the Iran nuclear deal. He had the maximum pressure campaign against Iran. He cut off the funding that they were giving to their their proxy groups. These types of activities weren't happening when, when Donald Trump was in office. They're happening at a large scale uh, with uh, with Joe Biden and these these uh, weak need uh, Democrats who are in charge of our foreign policy today. So I we have one year to get this guy out of out of office and stop the madness. The world is on fire because of Joe Biden, and uh, we need to replace him with a strong American leader, go back to the Trump-era policies. In fact, put Donald Trump back in the White House, and you'll see peace through strength and swift responses to situations like these. You probably won't see situations like these because our enemies won't dare attack us because they know there will be hell to pay. Well, it's clear that the uh, policy of don't didn't actually uh, do anything. But it's it's an important distinction, one that I've made, that the idea of policy of whether or not we should have troops in the area is different than whether or not we respond to the, to the killing of U.S. troops. And you're saying there should be a response from the federal government, from the United States, regarding the killing of U.S. soldiers. Without a doubt. And, and it, should, it should have happened already. And the fact that we've already missed that opportunity to swiftly respond troubles me deeply, Tony, and, it, and it, uh, it, it troubles me and concerns me because we're likely to see uh, heightened examples of, of just what happened over the weekend, the killing of three of our, our troops. Um, I, 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 hate, I hate to think about it, but if you, if you have a weak-need approach, you're going to see a lot more of those types of situations happen in the near future.
Let me move the conversation a bit. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He is a candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana as, as well. This was the Washington Post. Uh, and and full disclosure, uh, uh, one of one of your comms people sent it over and said, did you see this? I get things from members uh, and teams all the time. Hey, check this out. Hey, talk about this. I thought this was interesting because this was talking about where I live in Indiana. This is the Washington Post. Tired of hostile Washington, China courts Indiana and Minnesota. And it states when mayors from cities, including Carmel, Indiana and Oxford, Mississippi, went to China recently, they were feted in ways big and small and about test driving vehicles, uh, getting uh, royal treatment, enjoying some of uh, Mao Zedong's uh, favorite liquor, which is a certainly peculiar uh, thing to do. Uh, Carmel, Indiana is is where I live. That would be the former mayor, uh, Jim Brainerd, not the current mayor, Sue, Sue Finkham. Uh, but this conversation is about china not stopping in trying to curry favor we have talked confucius institutes before what we saw on college campuses and your work to have them removed what does this piece in in the washington post what does this story say to you and is there a place for congress within it yeah there there is it's a deeply concerning story i i, I just before i hopped on this uh uh, interview with you tony i was in i was in a hearing at, with the china select committee that i'm a part of and uh, Secretary Pompeo was testifying before us today. If you remember, when Secretary Pompeo was the Secretary of State, he warned our nation's governors about getting entangled with Chinese interests. You had, you had governors like our own who were traveling on so-called economic development missions in China and trying to lure business to the United States. Um, and, and Pompeo warned our governors about that. But this is this is an even con- more concerning story to me, because as as the Chinese figure out that they can't, as, as Washington becomes more aware to the China threat, now they're targeting our nation's mayors, including the former mayor of Carmel. He took this lavish, I mean, the, the Washington Post story is really alarming. He took this lavish trip uh, to China and on a, on, a, on a mission, and, you know, sounds, uh, it, it sounds like a really, a really disturbing story. So what, what Congress needs to do about it is crack down on these united front missions. Um, we've, we've talked, you and I have talked before about the Confucius Institutes, but the sister cities program uh, that a lot of Indiana cities and it and seems so incredibly innocuous. The whole idea of having a sister city in France or a sister city in Germany. Sometimes there's multiple sister cities, including sister cities in China. Yeah, the the, the Chinese aren't uh, interested in having uh, the Mayor Carmel to come over just to hang out. Obviously, they have a a much greater interest in bringing mayors of thriving cities like Carmel. I mean, Carmel is a, is a, is a thriving city and they want that relationship. They want to leverage that relationship and manipulate that relationship for their own good. So Indiana cities need to drop their sister, sister cities programs now. And I, I know with the new mayor of Carmel, I, I haven't spoken with her directly yet, but I'm, I'm a big fan and I know she'll take this very seriously. The mayor of Fort Wayne is engaged in a sister cities program for a number of years. And I've warned the city of Fort Wayne that they should drop that program. A lot of cities around the country and in our state have this this Washington Post story. I hope everybody will take a look at it and read it. It's a warning shot that that uh, we need to take this more seriously as as China ramps up and amps up their interest in engaging with mayors because they realize that Washington has become more aware of their tactics, their espionage, their influence uh, programs through, through the United Front that we need to crack down on. 
Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District running for Senate in Indiana on the Republican side. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Joined the IRS for the specific purpose of exposing Donald Trump's tax return. That's what he did. He joined the IRS. This guy who worked at Booz Allen, his name's Charles Littlejohn. He wanted to put out Trump's tax returns. He got five years in prison. And I'm telling you, it ain't enough. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Check out the live stream wherever it is you see something stream, whether it's X, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Rumble. We are uh, on Rumble. It's a, it's a dang good platform. The judge in this case, Ana Reyes, said that this was, quote, an intolerable attack on our constitutional democracy. The press, uh, she states, uh, tells us democracy dies in darkness. It also dies in lawlessness. There are numerous lawful means to bring things to light. Trump was under no obligation to expose his returns. People could vote for someone else. They could run against him. Five years in prison. And I am here to tell you, you can quote me that when he is out and he'll have, you know, probation and he has to have a $5,000 fine, he is going to get a job from these leftists who look at him and say, way to take one for the team, kid. It's going to be like Mean Joe Green in the Coke commercial. Hey, kid, catch. But instead of a jersey, it's going to be a six-figure job offer. He's not going to get that? Are, are we actually debating this? Is this an argument? He's 100% getting this. Of course. They protect their own. You do whatever you have to do. The ends justify the means. Don't worry. When you get, you get pinched, everybody gets pinched. What are you going to do? What are you, Paulie, tell him you're going to get pinched. All of a sudden, I'm quoting Goodfellas like I'm Ray Liotta. Of course you get pinched. But, you know, you get out, and the next thing you know, you don't ride on your friends. Boom, bop, bip. Look, we're treating you nice. And don't worry. Don't worry. While you're in the clink, while you're in the can, while you're in the joint, while you're in the hooskow, we're going to take, take care of your mother. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Your mother's going to be good. She's going to eat good. We're going to get her a new TV, maybe a new couch. A new TV, new couch. She thinks she'd like a new couch. What? She want a chair? You want a chair and a couch? A chair and a couch. Why? She should sit over here. She can sit over there. Ship wherever she wants. That is coming. Guaranteed. It's not even a question. I don't know why we're debating it. Meanwhile, Joy Reid is the biggest racist in America. And that's saying something because the cast of MSNBC is fighting daily for this. Oh, and she's a fraud. The audio you have to hear, that is coming up. This is Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I want it said clearly that if I said the kind of things on air that Joy Reid said on air, I'd be fired. Hell, if I said the kind of things Joy Behar said on air, I'd get fired. There is no radio station in America that would put up with the 24-7 nonstop bigotry that comes from Joy Reid. Not a one. 
the the level of 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 anti never mind anti Israel the level of anti Semitic the the constant drumbeat of you're a bigot you're a racist you're a bigot you're a racist you're a bigot you're a racist all the time everywhere nonstop this is her entire show. Well, Tony, you talk a lot about conservatism. Yes, but I also talk about cigars and bourbon. I, I I have other interests. I am not all consumed with the, I have to call somebody I disagree with a bigot 24-7, 365. That's nonsense. Look, I don't have a kind word for communists out there, but, you know, they're murderous bastards, so who cares? But dear God, every second of every hour, not only with Joy Reid, but this whole network. This whole network is nuts. But what this network has done in a commentary from Joy Reid is exposed that they are exactly what they claimed Fox was. Now, this is going to get deep. So follow me, kittens. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. That's right. I called you kitten. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. 833 got Tony. So let's go back a moment, a tick, a scotch, if you will, to when Fox News was getting punched in the face every single hour. Because it turns out they were saying things about Dominion voting systems they didn't necessarily believe. And, well, why would they say something that they didn't believe? And why would a host say that? I'm a host. I do a a show every day. I'm not saying something I don't believe. I've also, for the record, never been asked. I have never been asked in any serious conversation to say something that I do not believe in. I have by friends said, hey, you should you should just say this because it'll be good for ratings. And I say to them, oh, you're cute. <laughs> you don't you don't just say something because it's good for, for, for ratings. Um, I think people could suss out a fraud and they should. They, 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 they should because that's that's nonsense. When the Dominion voting thing came up for Fox and there were some hosts who were through text messages you learned were saying things that they didn't necessarily believe, Fox took it on the chin, just punched in the face over and over and over again, pow, ping, bang. These people are frauds. These people are unserious. They don't actually believe uh, uh, this. That's what happened. That is exactly what happened. Bring us to Joy Reid. I am going to share with you a piece of audio that I had to edit because Joy Reid cursed on a hot mic. A hot mic means it was on. And um, she, while a, a bit of uh, a video was, was playing, sometimes referred to as a sot, sound on tape, um, uh, she decided to make a commentary, not realizing that her microphone was on hot mic. Uh, and, uh, when she, she did that, she used a word that starts with F. Um, anybody want to guess what that is? Anyone, anyone at all want to guess what the word that starts with F is? These people. Oh, well, that's close. That's close. F these people. Very close. Very close. F these nope, people. Nope. Changed my mind. You got it right there. 
She did this. Now, you could say that that's the story. Ooh, caught on a hot mic, utilizing a word that begins with F. Kids, that ain't the story. No freaking how. That is so not the story that the people running with that story, they should be damn well ashamed of themselves. The story is much, much greater. Let me give it to you in two parts. Part of the audio and then the entirety of the audio. She's talking about the border. Now remember, MSNBC is a network just like Ocasio-Cortez, just like the squad. When Trump was the president, he was a racist and keeping kids in cages. And they go down to the border and they shed their fake tears and they take their photo ops and do the whole thing. When Biden's president, they don't have word one to say. Now you have the Biden administration saying quite clearly the problem is Republicans won't give us the power to do anything. With executive authority, is there more you can do? Absolutely. That's all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people to judge. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. So. Biden still claiming, as he did today, that he doesn't have the power to do anything. He needs this legislation passed in order to do something. Well, of course, that that isn't true. And, of course, you have Corinne Jean-Pierre saying that, um, the Biden, that, that the border is an issue. So on the first day of his administration, the president took this very seriously. And when it came to immigration, when it came to uh, border security, he put forth a comprehensive piece of legislation. That was almost three years ago. If Congress, House Republicans didn't get in the way and they actually took action, we probably. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We'd be in a different place today. He took it seriously. They're taking action. So the administration is telling you that the border is a real subject and a real issue. The border is a real story. That's what the administration is saying. Enter Joy Reid, MSNBC, part one. Congressional Republicans love to latch on to President Biden and Democrats' successful policies and take credit for things they didn't do, while tying themselves into pretzels to do nothing for the American people for the sake of Donald Trump. Case in point, fixing what they say is a crisis at the border. With congressional negotiators... Now, whoa, 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 hold up and whoa. The administration's telling you that the border's an issue. Joe Biden said he would shut down the border. And here's Joy Reid still pushing the idea that the border is totally fine, everything's good, Republicans are making it up, and all they want to do is take credit for things that Biden is doing. Now, you don't watch MSNBC. I, I, I get it. You realize this is what they're saying every day. This is this is how they talk. This is what they talk about. This is how they present it every single day. 
when they're not clearly advocating uh, for Israel to be destroyed, this is what they're talking about every single day. And you could see how it is that that uh, uh, Joy Reid is so far afield from the administration that she won't even recognize that there's an issue. Rather, it's all made up by Republicans who are trying to glom on and 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 get some control because you know uh, they're just incapable and they only do whatever Donald Trump tells them to do. Oh, so holy damn boring. That's. I mean, it's it's just the everyday talking point. It's exactly what Benny Thompson said in the impeachment uh, conversation regarding the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. The sham impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas is a baseless political stunt by extreme mega Republicans. Chairman Green, Representative Margaret Taylor Green, and others have pushed for and even fundraised based on this pre-planned predetermined scapegoating of the secretary. I, I just want to say for the record, I want to make sure I'm on, on the record for this. Um, it, it's it's not a stunt, but even if it is, okay. What? Okay, it's a stunt. Sure, Benny Thompson. The guy who chaired the January 6th committee is now going to tell me about a political stunt. I'm sorry, that's just, that is just freaking precious. Uh, thank you. Thank you. For applause there from producer Jason. This is, I mean, this is the pot, the kettle, the whole thing. Whew. That is just great. The best is uh, I brought up the expression pot kettle and someone's now going to call me a racist for it. I ga- oh, guarantee you it's coming. Guarantee you it's coming because, you know, why should anybody be rational? This whole thing about Trump, all about it, it's what it's all about. It doesn't explain why Republicans passed legislation regarding the border 200 plus days ago when uh, there were no primaries or anything else yet. But now that we're in the election season, of course, it's about Trump and the MAGA and the nonsense. No, it's about the safety and security of southern border. It's about the safety and security of children. It's about putting an end to the fentanyl. It's about putting an end to the human trafficking, putting an end to the sex trafficking, remembering that we're a sovereign nation for the love of the Lord, and people who don't believe that are wrong, dangerous, and don't care about your kids. Speaking about not caring about kids, allow me to state again what I've said many, many times in the past. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, does not care about brown children, and it is quite possible she hates brown children. Because if she gave a damn about brown children, she would be moving heaven and earth to stop the human trafficking. She would move heaven and earth to move policy that would prevent the human trafficking, that would push away the human trafficking, that would diminish the human trafficking. She would care if she only cared for a moment about black and brown children. She would be doing this but she doesn't give a damn i know this because she hasn't shown up to the border to cry and take pictures same cages she does nothing let's bring it back to joy reed who already has let you know uh that she's she says republicans don't have any policies they glom on to successful biden policies and then 
she shows a clip of Joe Biden. Now, it's within this clip of Joe Biden that you hear the hot mic. And yes, I did do an edit by lowering the volume to, to zero, not by changing any of the words. This is how the clip is is provided. Um, I, I, I share it with you because when I first heard it, I I was like, wait, is is this like a a, a deep fake? Is this uh is this a, is this fake? Uh, no, it's not, because Joy Reid is apologizing for it. Never mind that. People are still uh, uh, fixed or fixated on, on on the word that starts with F. That's not the story. Listen, and you'll hear the story. Congressional Republicans love to latch on to President Biden and Democrats' successful policies and take credit for things they didn't do, while tying themselves into pretzels to do nothing for the American people for the sake of Donald Trump. Case in point, fixing what they say is a crisis at the border. With congressional negotiators continuing work on a bipartisan deal to tie border policy changes to funding for Ukraine. Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another war. <laughs> Still trying to kill the deal. He bragged about blocking progress and said, please, please blame him if it fails. Meanwhile, the main Republican negotiator on border security, Oklahoma Senator James Lankford, is defending the proposed deal and called out fellow Republicans who oppose it. Now, the... Word that starts with F is not the story here. It would seem that when she's discussing Joe Biden closing down the border, she says, and starting another blanking war. That's what it certainly looks like. Not like she's having some other kind of conversation. That's what it sounds like. Which would signal to me being an observer, and signal to you being an observer, that when she talks about successful Biden policies, she's saying what she thinks the audience wants to hear. But on the hot mic, when she doesn't think anybody's listening, she tells you what she really thinks. And she really thinks that we should have an open border because if you protect the border, you're going to start another blanking war. Or is she referring to what's going on with Iran? Or is she referring to something else? It is obvious that what she says to the audience when the camera is on is different than how she feels when the camera is off. And that's the story. And no one is discussing what is clearly and obviously the entirety of the conversation. That's the story, man. That's it, kitten. Joy Reid is the thing she accused Fox News of being, along with a host of other people. I don't, I, I can't, I don't want to single, single her out as one of many, because maybe she didn't speak directly on this, she only spoke on that. But all those people who said Fox News, they don't believe what they say. Joy Reid flat out does not believe what she says. And she just told you. Except, of course, the anti-Semitism. Now look, maybe she's just saying that for the benefit of the audience, which in and of itself, super gross thought. 
But I, 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 I think that when she she focuses on um, hating Israel, blaming Israel, wanting to destroy Israel in relationship uh, to the attack from Hamas, a terrorist organization that murdered 1,200 and set babies and women on fire, I, I think she really has that hate. Uh, I, I think that's all her. I give her all the credit. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. JoanneJacobs.com. J O A N N E. Joanne Jacobs. Um, writes some interesting things. You could agree, disagree, what have you. But it was an interesting piece. More than ever, college applicants are writing about race. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good uh, to be with you. And it's a piece about a piece written in the New York Times by Bernard Mokum where writing about race is more popular than ever for black, Hispanic, and indigenous college students. And you, you, you ask why this is, and you could say, well, the Supreme Court did away with, um, uh, not, not affirmative action, but utilizing race as an uh, identity um, well, no, you could say it, is, it was banning affirmative action, right? In college admissions, can't do it. You can't just look at race as a way of, of bringing someone into college. So this is the end around. Have people write about it, and then, you know, through the, through the code, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they'll know. Well, that's, that's possible. I'm not saying that that isn't possible. Um, so, I mean, they talk about somebody... Um, Talk, writing about an essay about her love for chess. It's oh, interesting. You love chess. The final draft of the essay focused on the prejudice between her Korean and black American families and the final financial hardship she overcame. So you realize that you're not writing to something that you think is interesting. You're writing to whatever it is the admissions people are going to say yes to. So, so there's an example of somebody who realized that this is how you get in. You have to learn how to lie. You have to learn how to manipulate the system. That the best and the brightest argument is a nonsensical one. The key to all things in the university setting is being able to to mold yourself to what it is they are looking for regardless of whether or not you value it. Translation, lie. But I think, I, I, and I think that's true for some. I think we would agree that that's true for some. But I think there is something much more sinister underneath. If you take a look at people writing uh, about um, race in their uh, application, what if they write about race because they've been taught that that's the only thing about them that matters? It's the only thing interesting about them. It's the only thing in- uh, important about them. It's the only thing valuable about them or not valuable about themselves. It is the only thing that anybody cares about. It's the only thing you should care about. So therefore, what else could you possibly write about? Nothing else actually matters. I would argue that that is happening because that is how they're raised. And thus... We find universities that only want that. So therefore, merit is inconsequential. 
And how does one get the best and the brightest when that is not the part that matters? I'm Tony Katz. So as we now know, don't didn't work. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. Save the date, April 18th. It's a live Eat, Drink, Smoke. That's my cigar and bourbon show heard across the country. Eat, Drink, Smoke show.com. We're going to be live. Special bourbon, great pairing with a cigar. We've got some food. Jocularity will ensue. We'll have ticket information coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, go uh, to EatDrinkSmokeShow.com and check that out. April 18th, save the date. As we know, the administration, they uh, wanted to show you how tough they were with Iran. And so they warned Iran repeatedly, if you're thinking of causing a problem, don't. And what's the message to Iran? Don't. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel uh, here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. Three, three service members are dead. Clearly, Iran didn't get the message. And it's because the messenger is feckless and weak and pathetic. I'll check right now, see if there's been movement. Nope. There's been no movement. There's been absolutely no movement from the administration regarding a response to Iran. Now, the don'ts didn't work. And uh, I don't know if, if I didn't share this yesterday. This wasn't yesterday. This was John Kirby being asked by a reporter gloriously. Uh, you, you, you said uh, don't. You, you, you're all about the don'ts. Well, that didn't work. So what's your plan now? Clear, obviously, that don't didn't work. Does the president have any regret over not pushing, punching back harder in any of the prior responses that he's taken to these proxy attacks on U.S. forces? I would, uh, uh, I think I would push back on the idea that we didn't push back harder. Uh, that we have taken significant action against uh, Iran economically. We have certainly taken some ad- additional and uh, more aggressive steps to go after these groups. Um, we're certainly taking aggressive action uh, against the Houthis to try to de- defend shipping in, in the Red Sea. I mean, this idea that somehow we've just, you know, whistled past the graveyard here and, and, and walked away from the challenge that Iran poses just isn't borne out by the facts. Iran, uh, these proxy groups have been attacking our troops and our facilities in Iraq and Syria well before this administration as well. And we, though, like, for instance, Mike Waltz said this morning that when you're trying to play defense constantly rather than punching back in a meaningful way, this blood is on this administration's hands. What What is the response from the White House to an accusation like that? What I would tell you and I would tell the congressman is we're mindful of what Iran's doing in the region. And uh, we have taken aggressive action against... It has done nothing to stop them. But what was this 
idea about proxy groups. Look, if you want to argue that the Houthi rebels are a proxy of Iran, I would agree with you. But if you want to argue that it was some fringe group that used a drone to kill American soldiers, no, it was Iran. The facts are the facts. Now, this drone was able to get through because the U.S. military thought it was one of their own. One of their own drones was coming back. They got confused. They thought this drone was that drone. That uh, was not the case. Now, these things can happen. This is awful. There's a question here now about systems and maybe ways things have to be done. These things can happen, and it is awful. You must change the system to better the system. Or was there somebody who did not implement the proper system, and then they are held accountable? But it doesn't change the fact that Iran killed three U.S. service members, and a response is needed. John Kirby's answer is, uh, well, we're doing something. We'll, we we got, we, we they're, they're, they understand. No, they don't understand, do they? And no, you're not being forceful. So why are you saying you are? It's clear, obviously, that don't didn't work. Does the president have any regret over not pushing, punching back harder in any of the prior responses? I thought I had a different piece of audio for you. I thought I was, could have sworn I had a, I had another piece because he goes into this this weird kind of explanation that, that uh, somehow everything's, you know, you don't understand how these things work and we're really, really being a, a, a aggressive here. I don't know how long it takes to respond to the killing of three uh, American soldiers, but seems to me that you're not actually responsive. I wonder why your uh, the people who work in your administration aren't more up in arms. Well, maybe the problem is they're too busy planning for a hunger strike. I could not make this up if my life depended on it. Here is the story. Federal workers to protest Biden's Israel policy. Feds united for peace. Also known as FUP. I don't know. FUPs? Is, is, that what, is that what we call them? We call them FUPs? Uh, Feds United for Peace, which is several dozen government employees telling The Guardian that its members will be dressed in black, wearing kafia scarves and other symbols of solidarity with Palestine during the protest on Thursday. A kafia is a, uh, you, you can call it a symbol of, of, of the Palestinian. Uh, you could also call it a symbol of oppression, uh, depending on how you want to look at, at, at these things. But be clear, the Biden administration is, a, is lousy with Jew haters, lousy with bigots, lousy with people who want to see Israel destroyed, lousy with people who are down with, agree with, and support genocide. So much so, these fools... I said fools, are going to have a hunger strike. It's February 1st. February 1st. They're going to have themselves a hunger strike. What is it? Is that, is, that, is that Thursday? Is that Thursday, Sarah? Is that when that is? Because, um, I don't know, we're going to have to gather and have ourselves uh, some brisket or something. I, I Honestly, to celebrate the hunger strike, I may, I may have to bring in brisket. 
I may have to go out for brisket. I, this might have to happen. They are protesting, quote, starvation as a weapon of war by intentionally withholding food from entering Gaza, where more than 26,000 people have been killed since the war began, according to the health ministry, in the Hamas-ruled territory. That's a story from the Daily Mail. Uh, First of all, the number comes from Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. They, of course, cannot be believed because they don't tell you of that 26,000 whom they killed themselves. That's number one. Secondly... Why in the world would you have a hunger strike if people are going hungry? First, if people are going hungry in Gaza, that's because Hamas is a terrible organization that doesn't give a good holy damn if these people live or die. They don't care. They do not care. What they want is Israel destroyed over everything, and they don't care about their own people. This is the same group, Hamas, that ripped the pipes out of the ground, the pipes that carried water. They don't care if the people have water. They care that they had the tubes to shoot more rockets. Hamas is a garbage group of people that believe in destruction, and here are all these people in the Biden administration supporting them. This is support of Hamas. I said it. I meant it. You can quote me. That's fine. Take This is um, Representative Ocasio-Cortez. We know that Hamas as an organization, it, it, it does not have any regard for human life. I think that in Hamas's attack on October 7th, they knew what they were bringing on uh, to, to, they knew the, the, the violence that they were bringing on. And Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We have seen that. They understood the asymmetric attack that that Israel will put out. Israel has been indiscriminately attacking uh, Gazans. And we have seen over 25,000 Palestinians have been killed, over 70% of whom are women and children. First, there she is again, uh, preaching Hamas's talking points because, well, that's what a Hamas supporter does. Don't get angry with me. Listen to her argument. Hamas knew that they were going to kill Israelis. And of course they knew that Israel would overreact. They'd want to fight back. They'd want to get even. But of course, you know, Israel can't do that because that's not fair. This is the argument of the fool. In Congress and in, in, in the halls of the administration. Honestly, Honestly, Sarah, uh, Sarah runs all our digital. I don't know why I'm asking Sarah this. What is stopping me from Thursday from holding a food drive? The Biden administration is going to starve themselves, right? To, to, to show solidarity with a terrorist organization that is starving the people. Why don't we organize a food drive? At least, at least for where we live. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a better use of time? Wouldn't that be a better use of time? The Biden people are going to play dress up 
in support of terrorists. Man, this election cannot come soon enough. These people are so absolutely horrifically awful. But it's important for you to see what they are. And and let us go to a part two. Why do staffers feel so emboldened to speak out? Your staff. Just make just uh, push the paper around. Set the appointments. Get your person to their meeting. Don't be heard. Barely be seen. Why do they feel so emboldened? Why do they feel... Staffers for ceasefire is another group? As your staff, we believe it is both a moral and electoral imperative for you to publicly call for a cessation of violence. Israel offered a two-month ceasefire to get the hostages out. Hamas said no. Why aren't you angry with Hamas? They say complicity in the deaths of Palestinians and uh, 8,200 of whom who are children, I guess their numbers change all the time based on whatever Hamas tells them to say, simply cannot be justified. It's a war. Well, I agree with you that no one could justify the actions of Hamas, a terrorist organization. Do you, do you not understand what's happening here? No. No, they don't, they don't see this as in any way having anything to do with Hamas. They see this solely about Israel. They're letting you know what they are. The Biden administration, Biden's people, Biden's hand-picked people are Jew haters. They want Israel destroyed. That's Joe Biden. Oh, don't worry. There are plenty of Jews who will still vote for this Jew hater. There are plenty of Jews who are so absolutely dense, daft, ugly, and dumb They will continue to vote for this guy because Trump sends mean tweets. I get it. Trump's a terrible guy. Trump has to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll. Trump's got four indictments. Still better than Joe Biden and his band of Jew haters. Still better. At least Trump knows that he's allowed to take action on the border as president of the United States. Joe Biden thinks he needs to ask permission as if somehow the vote of the people wasn't enough. Good God. By the way, uh, some people are going to say to me, Tony, you, you must get looked at strange in synagogue when uh, you, you talk about Jews being uh, uh, dumb enough to vote for Joe Biden. Worth it. Worth it. We're, we're, not, we're, we're through the looking glass. We're not even having a conversation about policy. Look at what they're doing. How, how can anybody say, I got to get me more of that? How can any rational person say, I got to get me more of that? And by the way, this is what they're doing it about today. Wait till they do it about Christians in the United States tomorrow. If the FBI can target them, well, come on. You know it's Israel today, it's the U.S. tomorrow. Every rational person knows that. Every single one. That's not even conspiratorial. (laughs) That's just the data. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Uh, Representative Cory Bush under investigation. Misuse of funds, how much she spends on her own private security. The progressive who doesn't think you should have a gun. The progressive who thinks you're a racist. The progressive who wants reparations. 
Uh, maybe doing some thieving. Let the investigation take place. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I wanted to. This, this Rip Curl story. Right? We're talking about Bethany Hamilton, who is a surfer. And she's kind of famous for having her arm, well, removed by a shark. She got attacked by a shark, lost her left arm, kept surfing. And she had a deal, I guess, with, with Rip Curl, uh, which is a, a surfing brand. Well, she is on the record as being opposed to the idea of men participating in women's sports. And um, she has said so. She has talked about it uh, repeatedly. Well, Rip Curl has decided that that's simply unacceptable. They, um, not only not working with her, they have taken a man who claims to be a woman, Sasha Lowerson, and now is uh, promoting him, I, I think, uh, utilizing him as their new brand ambassador. I mean, these companies are just thrilled with deleting women. They are overjoyed to erase women. It's, it's a maddening story. Twisted as the day is long. And then as I was discussing earlier, the Alaska Airlines plane, you know, where the fuselage uh, blew out, right? Uh, like half the plane was missing, 10,000 feet in, in the air, and they had to make the emergency landing. Well, now is reported in an exclusive from the Wall Street Journal. It left the Boeing factory without critical bolts. So what are they paying attention to at Boeing? What, what, what moves them? What drives them? What is it? Where's the, the, the value and what they, they, they bring if they can't bring a plane that stays together? Where do they keep their time? Is it the wokeness? Is it something else? And who's going to go to jail for it? This is Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So we have impeachment hearings of Alejandro Mayorkas going on. We have, well, Iran at war with us, as we keep discussing, even if we don't want to admit that we're at war with Iran. You don't have to admit it. They're going to keep engaging in attacks. I don't think this is is, is debate. And then, of course, uh, a southern border deal that doesn't seem to be in the offing, if it means, of course, you have to have a deal on Ukraine because, well, these things shouldn't be tied together. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd District. He is also a candidate for Senate Republican in the state of Indiana. The the impeachment hearings are going on right now. I'm going to start there. Of Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. The the one good question that gets asked when, when you see this play out is, if he's following the directive of the administration... How does one look to impeach him for not doing his job? Well, Tony, there are many reasons. And the the Mark Green articles of impeachment that they're debating and marking up in the Homeland Security Committee right now uh, today that we're going to vote on on the House floor, um, hopefully as early as next week, lays out a number of reasons and, and examples of where Secretary Mayorkas has defied Congress 
He lied under oath. He's aided and abetted an, a foreign invasion of our country, and he deserves to be impeached for that. So I, I fully support the measure, but I don't want to lose sight of the bigger issue, and that's that the president of the United States of America should be impeached for the exact same reason. 62, uh, Steve, my friend Stephen Miller laid out 62 examples of executive orders that Joe Biden has signed to open our border wide open and, uh, and, and, and do everything that he can to create the, the biggest humanitarian crisis in American history. We should be impeaching the president uh, at the same time as we impeach Secretary Mayorkas for all of the same reasons, not to mention the, the corruption, the, the, the Biden family cartel activities with Hunter Biden and other members of the family making, making money from our foreign adversaries off the back and relationship of their dad, the president of the United States. He should, the president, Joe Biden, should be impeached because of the border situation alone, just, just like we're going to impeach Secretary Mayorkas in the House in the coming weeks. But, but allow me to, to just take it a, a step further uh, here regarding Secretary Mayorkas. Are there, you know, you talk about Mark Green. Mark Green is the chairman of, of the committee. And, and this is what Chairman Green had to say. Today is a grave day. We have not approached this day or this process lightly. Secretary Mayorkas's actions have forced our hand. We cannot allow this border crisis to continue. We cannot allow fentanyl to flood across our border, our criminals to waltz in undeterred. And we cannot allow a cabinet secretary with no regard for the separation of powers or the rule of law to remain in office. That is why today we present this committee with the articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. So... What what Congressman Green is laying out there is, is rather strong, uh, discussing not only Mayorkas not doing his job, but violating the oath. Uh, are there specifics that you can dig into uh, about this actual the actual violation as opposed to just a failure to protect the border writ large? Yeah, well, I think that that in and of itself is is an example of him not keeping his oath. Uh, and and uh, upholding the Constitution of the United States, but but take for example, Tony, the over three hundred million dollars that that uh, Secretary Mayorkas has spent that was appropriated for FEMA to use uh, for disasters for the American people. That he's used that money instead to set up shelters in his efforts to aid and abet the foreign invasion of our country for illegals for illegals coming into this country instead of American citizens. That's one big example. But he lied under oath about having uh, control of the border. It's obvious that that uh, he doesn't have operational control of the border. The Mexican drug cartels do, and they're flooding our country and killing uh, uh, thousands of Americans. Fentanyl, the leading cause of death of Americans my age and your age, Tony, because of the wide open border, because of Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden's policies. So fully, fully support impeaching him. He deserves it. But I, I want to emphasize this again. The president deserves it even more. This is happening on his watch. Their policies that he signed into law through executive orders, defying the rule of law in this country and creating the, the biggest uh, crisis that our country has ever seen with a wide open southern border. Uh, but now all you hear is the Biden administration talking very, very tough uh, about the border. It's Republicans who are intransigent uh, about a border uh, security. And if you would just sign this legislation, well, then the president would have the ability to shut down the border. How have uh, Republicans in Congress responded to this? Well, m most of us have responded with uh, ind indignation and, and uh, uh, quickly coming to our senses that 
this uh, deal coming out of the Senate that's negotiated by Democrats, and they're, you know, I know I know there are Republicans involved with it, but it's dead on arrival in the House, and Speaker Johnson has made that very, very clear. The 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 negotiated deal in the Senate, uh, uh, Tony, would create a situation that's even worse with more illegals coming over our border than what than who are, than what are already coming over, and it's all about aid aid to Ukraine and. Um, other matters and matter. It, there's a lot less about that deal that would secure the border. But tough talk from this president and his administration uh, is uh, is pretty empty, and we all know that. Anything less than the House passed HR two, which ends uh, catch and release, it finishes construction of the border wall, and it goes back to the Trump era remain in Mexico policy. Anything short of that will not pass the House of Representatives on Speaker Mike Johnson's watch. Uh, as mo- as almost every Republican would vote against it. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. Uh, it was, of course, just the other day we learned that th- three U.S. service members were killed by Iran. This drone strike, the drone was not recognized as an enemy drone. They thought it was a U.S. or a friendly uh, drone, and they allowed it into the airspace uh, in this base uh, in Jordan, three service members killed. Uh, there's no response yet from the Biden I- I- administration. So a two-parter, and I don't mean to throw two parts at you. Uh, how should the Biden administration be reacting? And what is the response to those on the political right uh, who say, well, the problem is, is that we have troops there in the first place. That's the issue. Well, um, uh, let me take the first part of that question. Uh, the The Biden administration's weak response to this already, I mean, a, a weak response of, of no response. Uh, just invites these types of activities to happen even more. We we lost three of our heroes, likely a, a Houthi uh, attack uh, by by a drone, um, which by the way has we haven't happened have American troops uh, killed by an aircraft in generations, and now it's happening all of a sudden because of the the weak posture that the Biden administration had in negotiating a new Iran deal with with. Uh, 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 when Biden came into office that that Trump killed and Biden tried to go back to that. We know that Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And when you give them money and appease them, they give those resources to, to Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, who are likely responsible for this attack. So there should be hell to pay in an immediate fashion for anyone who kills American troops. And right right now you've seen the opposite. You You continue to see the weak need a response from this administration. Now, what are troops doing in Jordan? Um, what are they doing in that part of the world? I mean, I, I don't know the classified nature of, of the operation there, but those the, the, obviously this is a hot spot in the world and it's becoming hotter by the day because of the weakness and appeasement of Joe Biden, which is whiplash compared to the peace through strength approach of the, of the Trump presidency. Remember, I mean, uh, Putin didn't invade Ukraine on Donald Trump's watch. Uh, Donald Trump took out Soleimani. He killed the Iran nuclear deal. He had the maximum pressure campaign against Iran. He cut off the funding that they were giving to their their proxy groups. These types of activities weren't happening when, when Donald Trump was in office. And they're happening at a large scale uh, with uh, with Joe Biden and these these uh, weak need uh, Democrats who are in charge of our foreign policy today. So I we have one year to get this guy out of out of office and stop the madness. The world is on fire because of Joe Biden, and uh, we need to replace him with a strong American leader, go back to the Trump-era policies, in fact, put Donald Trump back in the White House, and you'll see peace through strength and swift 
responses to situations like these. You probably won't see situations like these because our enemies won't dare attack us because they know they'll be held to pay. Well, it's clear that the uh, policy of don't didn't actually uh, do anything. But it's it's an important distinction, one that I've made, that uh, the idea of policy of whether or not we should have troops in the area is different than whether or not we respond to the, to the killing of U.S. troops. And you're saying there should be a response from the federal government, from the United States, regarding the killing of U.S. soldiers. Without a doubt. And, and it, should, it should have happened already. And the fact that we've already missed that opportunity to swiftly respond troubles me deeply, Tony. And, it, and it, uh, it, it troubles me and concerns me because we're likely to see uh, heightened examples of, of just what happened over the weekend, the killing of three of our, our troops. Um, I, 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 hate, I hate to think about it, but if you, if you have a weak need approach, you're going to see a lot more of those types of situations happen in the near future. Let me move the conversation a bit. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He is a candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana as, as well. This was the Washington Post. Uh, and and full disclosure, uh, uh, one of one of your comms people sent it over and said, did you see this? I get things from members uh, and teams all the time. Hey, check this out. Hey, talk about this. I thought this was interesting because this was talking about where I live in Indiana. This is the Washington Post. Tired of hostile Washington, China courts Indiana and Minnesota. And it states when mayors from cities, including Carmel, Indiana and Oxford, Mississippi, went to China recently, they were feted in ways big and small and about test driving vehicles, uh, getting uh, royal treatment, enjoying some of uh, Mao Zedong's uh, favorite liquor, which is a certainly peculiar uh, thing to do. Uh, Carmel, Indiana is is where I live. That would be the former mayor, uh, Jim Brainerd, not the current mayor, Sue, Sue Finkham. Uh, but this conversation is about China not stopping in trying to curry favor. We have talked Confucius Institutes before, what we saw on college campuses in your work, to have them removed. What does this piece in, in the Washington Post, what does this story say to you, and is there a place for Congress within it? Yeah, there there is. It's a deeply concerning story. I, I, I just before I hopped on this uh, uh, interview with you, Tony, I was in I was in a hearing with the China Select Committee that I'm a part of, and uh, Secretary Pompeo was testifying before us today. If you remember, when Secretary Pompeo was the Secretary of State, he warned our nation's governors about getting entangled with Chinese interests. Yet, yet governors like our own who were traveling on so-called economic development missions in China and trying to lure business to the United States. Um, and, and Pompeo warned our governors about that. But this is this is an even con more concerning story to me, because as as the Chinese figure out that they can't, as, as Washington becomes more aware to the China threat, now they're targeting our nation's mayors, including the former mayor of Carmel, who took this lavish, I mean, the, the Washington Post story is really alarming. It took this lavish trip uh, to China and on a on a on a mission, and you know, sounds uh, it, it sounds like a really a really disturbing story. So, what what Congress needs to do about it is crack down on these United Front missions. Um, we've we've talked, you and I have talked before about the Confucius Institutes, but the Sister Cities program uh, that a lot of Indiana cities and it and seems so incredibly innocuous. The whole idea of having a sister city in France or a sister city in Germany. Sometimes there's multiple sister cities, including sister cities in China. Yeah, the, the, the Chinese aren't uh, interested in having uh, the Mayor Carmel to come over just to hang out. Obviously, they have a 
a much greater interest in bringing mayors of thriving cities like Carmel. I mean, Carmel is a is a is a thriving city, and they want that relationship. They want to leverage that relationship and manipulate that relationship for their own good. So Indiana cities need to drop their sister sister cities programs now. And I I know with the new mayor of Carmel, I, I haven't spoken with her directly yet, but I'm, I'm a big fan. And I know she'll take this very seriously. The mayor of Fort Wayne has engaged in a sister cities program for a number of years. And I've warned the city of Fort Wayne that they should drop that program. A lot of cities around the country and in our state have this, this Washington Post story. I hope everybody will take a look at it and read it. It's a warning shot that that uh, we need to take this more seriously as as China ramps up and amps up their interest in engaging with mayors because they realize that Washington has become more aware of their tactics, their espionage, their influence uh, programs through, through the United Front that we need to crack down on. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District running for Senate in Indiana on the Republican side. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. I don't mean to do two football stories in a row because I got it. I have to address the insanity in the room regarding psyops. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I I can't believe I'm doing it either. But I'll get into that in, in, in a moment. I bring up football for a very, very specific reason and a very specific Indiana reason. Uh, uh, certainly, a lot of people are talking football because of the Taylor Swift stuff, Travis Kelsey, uh, Super Bowl. I'll get into that. Then people are talking football because they want to be mad at Dan Campbell, the coach of the Detroit Lions, why didn't you take the field goal? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You cost us this. You should be gone. Did you not know who this guy was when you brought him on? Did you not know who this guy was over the past couple of years? This is exactly the coach that you asked for. It's fourth and three. I expect my guys to get three yards. It's fourth down. I expect him to get the first down. He expects it. Now, maybe... He will change his tune and say, I do expect it, but the move is to get the three points. Maybe he'll do that going forward. Maybe this will change a bit of coaching philosophy for him there with the Detroit Lions. I would have much rather seen the Lions in the, in the Super Bowl than the 49ers. I would have much rather seen the Ravens than uh, the, the, the Chiefs. Doesn't matter. But the people mad at, at Dan Campbell are, are nuts. They're, they're, they're ridiculous, nutty people, near deranged. And you see this so often from the sports guys, whatever they can do to, to foment the, the radical as opposed to the rational, it's, God, some of these guys really don't put in any effort at all. Some do, and it's obvious. Some don't, and it's also obvious. This is not what I wanted to get to either. This is not actually the subject when I talk about the NFL where I want to go. I said I want to discuss something Indiana. And I do want to discuss something Indiana. Where is Jim Irsay? I'm asking a question. And I'm asking to get an answer. The owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Jim Irsay has uh, some health issues. 
and some very large health issues. So much so that as the report goes from a 911 call in Carmel, Indiana, uh, they were called because uh, he was unresponsive and bluish in color. 911 was called and he was having uh, labored breathing, mostly unconscious, but not completely. Well, we after that, if, if I have it right, after that, he was seen at the Pittsburgh Steelers game, right? I think that was in that was in Pittsburgh, right? It, was, it wasn't a home game. It was in, in Pittsburgh. Where is he? I think it odd. Yeah, so that was December 16th. The Colts beat the Steelers 30 to 13. I believe he was seen at that game, but not since. I don't know how a story falls off the front page. And I don't know how a man as important to Indianapolis and, and India, Indiana as a whole as Jim Irsay and the Irsay family and, and the Colts organization, I don't know how this falls off the front page, but it has fallen off the front page. I'm asking a question. I am not engaging in rumor. I'm not stating anything I'm asking. Where's Jim Irsay? I think it's strange that we were told by the, the, the Colts He's having a, a respiratory issue and, and he's uh, seeking help, resting comfortably, working on his health. Okay, that was weeks ago. And then, of course, we learned about the whole 911 call. So where is he today? What public work has he done today regarding the Colts organization? If you tell me I have no right to know, I'll tell you, okay, I have no right to know. But it would seem that he's a public figure who's rather influential, dealing with an economic driver for the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis. It's just odd that we don't know the answer to this question, and that's odd that I'm the first person to ask it publicly. Maybe I'm not the first, but here I am. Where is Jim Irsay? I think people should I think people deserve to know that answer. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. media is massively pushing the pop star to continue furthering their agenda. She suddenly becomes political and now she's plastered all over magazines, airports, the NFL, and now even the Super Bowl. It's just 24-7 nauseating coverage. And we're supposed to pretend we don't see the PSYOP? Look, we all know what's happening with Taylor Swift is not organic and it's not natural. It's a coordinated marketing campaign by Democrats to leverage celebrities to excite their base into coming out and voting. They know Joe Biden is incapable of doing that. So instead, they have to use their Hollywood puppets to propagate a narrative that'll influence the absent-minded masses. That's not a psyop. That's politics. What the hell am I listening to? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That is One America News, which I have, I have never been on, and uh, I I'm, I I'm think right to do so. Alison Steinberg calling it a psyop because Taylor Swift is popular on a bunch of magazine covers and is political. She was political before this. She's been political in her past. This isn't new. I think her, I think her, her support of, 
of of whether it be the political left or uh, quote unquote abortion rights is is misguided. I've said so. You think it's a psyop to get celebrities to support candidacies? This has been going on. I don't know what's so today and carry the two forever. This has been going on for forever. No part of this is new. When Republicans had Clint Eastwood talk to the empty chair at the RNC, PSYOP? This is crazy town. When Jay-Z was singing, I got 99 problems, but a mid ain't one, talking about Mitt Romney. Oh, is he wrong? Uh, A PSYOP? This is not new stuff. How Joe Biden aggressively courted the TikTok crowd. Some of the most ridiculous, Ridiculous, inane people out there. Not a psyop. Dear God, you all sound nutty. Was it Vivek who who decided that Taylor Swift also what was a psyop? By the way, do we have to define what, what psyop is? We're, we're talking about the idea of a psychological operation. Um, try to influence motives and, and objective reasoning. I could apply that to 9 million different things. Vivek Ramaswamy putting out on on the Twitter box, I wonder who's going to win the Super Bowl next month, and I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially culturally propped up couple this fall. Just some wild speculation over here. Let's see how it ages over the next eight months. If you were worried that the PSYOP will defeat the guy you endorsed, maybe we should have picked a better candidate. What kind of insanity? Yes, there is no question in her own words, Taylor Swift's own words, there's a whole thing about her catalog of music and being purchased. She didn't like the purchaser and part of that purchase was done by the Soros family. And now we're going to argue that she became liberal after that. I don't know if that's true or not true. She is the one who said it. She said it in in her own words who bought uh, was part of the funding for her, her music catalog. You think this is all something rather coordinated effort? Let me let me try and help for the sake of the conversation. This is always the way it's been. Where the hell has everybody been? This is always the way it has been. It's always the way it will be. People take those who have influence and try and utilize them to help influence the the ability to win elections. The political right does it. The political left does it. Grow up. The political left is better at it. The political left is more culturally adept. Well, it's easy to understand when you've got the political right saying, I can't stand Taylor Swift's relationship with, with Travis Kelsey. Dear God, the football's terrible. Dude. I don't want to hear anything about the relationship either because I just, I don't know either one of them. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't move me. I think the whole thing is super weird. But obsession about celebrity couples, was anybody on the political right discussing obsession of celebrity couples when it was Kim Kardashian and Kanye when they were visiting with Trump and helping him get legislation across the finish line? No, what we said, because I said it here on this show, that Kim and Kanye were more politically focused and actually get had more accomplishments than Beyonce and Jay-Z. They were just hanging out with, with Michelle and Barack. Kim Kardashian was getting legislation going regarding people in prison. 
Now, maybe it could be said, well, they're over and Jay-Z and Beyonce are still engaged in things culturally, so maybe they win. Maybe it was a battle and not the war that was won by uh, Kanye and uh, Kim Kardashian. But that's all people talked about. It's all they discussed. There is throughout our history this conversation of celebrity. Could anybody in the day of Marilyn Monroe been talking about anybody more than Marilyn Monroe? This is not new. And the radicalness to the conversation is exactly that. Completely, totally, solely radical. Let's go back to this uh, take from Alison Steinberg over at OAN. I mean, come on. They did it once before. Why not do it again? And this time, go really hard and double down all the way. Isn't it interesting? She just so happens to be dating Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, better known as Mr. Pfizer. Oh, who's now also going to the Super Bowl, which is sponsored by, you guessed it, Pfizer. So, Pfizer was able to get the NFL to rig a football game, able to get Lamar Jackson to be okay with this, able to get the whole Ravens team not to speak about this. Pfizer sponsors a fair amount of things. And yes, Travis Kelsey did those ridiculous Pfizer ads and took the derision for it. Okay. I got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid doing the State Farm ads. And by the way, Travis Kelsey does them too. What does State Farm have in the mix? Still, this is not an argument. This is nutty. America's pop star celebrity sweetheart joins forces with the top dog in the NFL playing for the team that's going to the Super Bowl. I mean, let's be real here. This is bread and circuses on steroids. Major League Sports in and of itself is nothing but a psyop. Get kids plugged into the cycle of going to public indoctrination camps, playing sports for their school, and going to games. Many end up devoting their entire childhood to competing in various sports, only to be cut from the team, at which point they become brainwashed into supporting professional teams because they know their dreams of becoming a pro athlete will probably never happen. So then they become obsessed with some grown man who gets paid millions of dollars every year to throw a ball around while promoting poison death shots and child slave labor through various brand deals and endorsements. So sad. This is all nutty because certainly that is not every athlete, although you can argue that there are some athletes who support things that certainly I'm not a fan of, and LeBron James, who's okay with Uyghur Muslims being enslaved, is wrong. Wrong. I mean, he could not be more wrong. He's the one who needs to get educated. He should be apologizing uh, to people who were supportive of Hong Kongers. He should be supportive of people who support free speech. He should recognize his errors. He should say so out loud. And the NBA should stop trying to build out in China. On this, I agree. But her argument is sports bad. Sports bad. What the... What are you talking? LeBron James only gets a platform because he's excellent at what he does. There's still a meritocracy in sports, which is why we fight for women in sports because they're trying to do away with the meritocracy and say, let men claim they're women and tell women to just lay back and take it. That's what's so sick and twisted. Sports is an issue? 
Sports is is the problem in America. That's the problem in American culture. No, what this sounds like is another person on the political right who's like these people on the political left. They just don't know how to have fun. You understand why why you don't connect with people culturally. It's because you're not where the culture is. You don't even begin to understand it. You know, I haven't said much about uh, Ben Shapiro is is rapping with with Tom McDonald. That's the number one song in America, which is hilarious. Connect where people are. Connect where people are. This isn't where people are. This is self-righteous insanity wrapped in this uh, veneer of intellectualism, which it is not. Imagine being so brainwashed by sports, you actually show up to your team stadium to shovel snow for free so you can watch a bunch of grown men who are overpaid tackle each other. (laughs) Seriously, though, trudging through three feet of snow amid a massive blizzard just to watch a game? Yeah, sorry, you couldn't pay me to do that. No one paid any of these people to do this, whether it happens in Green Bay or happens in Pittsburgh or happened in Buffalo because they had the snowstorm. People came out and they dug out because they wanted to watch. They had fun. They wanted to do it with their kids. There's a whole host of reasons. And sure, some of them may be obsessed. But you elitist snob. Holier than thou. Look at me. I know what's really important. What's really important? You don't go to concerts. You don't go to football games. What do you do for fun? Wear pantsuits and get upset? My God. Now which one of us is really a fan of Hillary? That's, let's see, that, that might have been overboard for me. I, I should probably apologize for that. <laughs> but you know I'm right. Just imagine for a moment if people were as dedicated to Jesus as they are professional sports. I think the country might look pretty different if that were the case. But sadly, as we know, it's not. This is a lecturing scold of a woman. I don't know her at all. But there is nothing here that can connect with an audience en masse. If you're somebody who already believes this, great. But if you're talking about outreach or or something thoughtful, something informative, something creative, something that you might want to share at the dining room table, this isn't it. There's plenty of cultural issues out there worthy of discussion and derision. The problem with these people watching football is they should believe more in Jesus? What? That... In, in America, that will get you nowhere. As a matter of fact, that'll get you laughed at. That will get you less of an audience. That is valueless. And for the political right, it's a totally valueless proposition. The idea that somehow watching a football game or a basketball game or a soccer game or a hockey game or a baseball game, that's the enemy. It's not the enemy. Not at all. When the Los Angeles Dodgers decide to bring in some level of pride night by bringing in one of the ugliest groups possible that is absolutely antithetical to all things uh, rational, when they are purposely insulting of Christians and others, that's a time to stand up and say, hey, Los Angeles Dodgers, what the hell are you doing? Why in the world would you have this group the sisters of perpetual indulgence to your pride night, these absolute bigots. It's worth standing up to that. 
But you've also seen, for example, hockey players who won't wear pride sweaters. They don't call them jerseys in hockey. They're, they're sweaters. They won't wear them. This is not who I am. This is not what I believe. Let other people do what they do, but I won't be a part of it. And they get attacked by the media in Canada, especially. How dare these bigots be allowed to play hockey? Well, of course they should be allowed to play hockey. They play because it's a meritocracy and they're good enough. Travis Kelsey, sorry, is good enough. And it's super frustrating. How do they not have three guys on him? How does he still get open for the love of God? Your problem is you don't like what they have to say and you don't have a way of counteracting it culturally. So instead of engaging the culture, you dismiss the culture and say, how dare you not love Jesus more? You're going to lose every election. They're going to kick your ass four ways from Sunday. Allison, you're so far afield from the rationality of the situation, you can't influence an election. You couldn't grab a voter. There is nothing rational in your positioning. You may think that having a revival meeting, which is kind of what you're doing here, is the way to get people to your side and the way to get voters. It's not. You have to be able to share policy that makes their life better and why. Somebody else like a celebrity is speaking out. You got to be able to say why they're wrong and this policy is right and this direction is better. And you have to be able to connect in a way uh, that exists for them and where they are. This is, this, this, we've reached a level of nutty. We've reached a level of twisted. And now we're into the place where we're guaranteed that if this becomes what the political right talks about, No chance in getting younger voters. Zero. And all they're looking for is, you know, a way to figure out how to make a living, get a job, build a life, and have some fun, which is very difficult in this economy. There's real opportunity to grab them. Not like this, though. Not like this. This is Tony Katz today. No matter how good the Joy Reid cursing hot mic audio is, where she admits that everybody at MSNBC is a propagandist and lying about supporting Biden, while he's also going to start another blanking war. Her words, not mine. I mean, it's just fantastic. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find that over at TonyKatz.com. We have it up on the page on Rumble. I think this is the audio of the day. This from John Kirby, National Security Council, not being able to answer the really good question. It's clear, obviously, that don't didn't work. Does the president have any regret over not pushing, punching back harder in any of the prior responses that he's taken to these proxy attacks on U.S. forces? I would, uh, uh, I think I would push back on the idea that we didn't push back harder, Uh, that we have taken significant action against uh, Iran economically. We have certainly taken some additional and uh, more aggressive steps to go after these groups. Um, We're certainly taking aggressive action uh, against the Houthis to try to defend shipping in, in the Red Sea. Not hard enough. You allowed them some access to dollars, I believe, because you you lessened some of the pressure from the Trump administration, and you told them don't. You gave them a very stern warning, don't you do anything, and uh, they're injuring service members when not killing U.S. troops. So, no, you haven't. 
That. That is an administration not prepared to fight. That's a problem. We'll get into it tomorrow, everyone. I'm Tony Katz. Take care.